Hey, can you give it up for those watching online right now for the very first time? Come on, give it up for them. Welcome. We're so glad you're watching us. And listen, whatever part of the country or the world you're watching us from the east to the west coast, we bless you today. And if you're ever in the Dothan area, we pray you'd come and connect with us here at Dothan First. We will make sure that you feel connected and at home. We love you and we're just delighted we get to connect with you today. And for those that are first-time guests in the room today, God bless you and thank you for hanging out with us today. Give it up for once again all of our first-time guests in the house. Welcome. And uh, go ahead, grab your copy of God's Word. Say this with me. Say, I am what God's Word says I am. I can do what God's Word said I can do. I can become all that God said I could be. So today, I'll hear God's word, I'll receive God's word, and I'll obey God's word because I love his word. Now just turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, it's either Super Bowl Sunday or Valentine's week. I'm not sure which one is more important to you, but whichever one it is, it's a good day. Okay. Um, it is a good day. It's a good day today. And um, I want to take a moment and really dig deep into the blessing of marriage and the importance of godly marriages. Now, I just want you to know, those of you that don't know me, I'm a risk taker by nature, right? I'm a daredevil. I like uh, jumping out of perfectly good airplanes and skydiving. Um, you know, I've been bungee jumping and uh, mountain climbing and rock climbing and rappelling and uh, I've jumped into the water. We, we were off the coast of Belize on a missions trip many years ago. And uh, they said, do you want to go swim with sharks? And I said, absolutely. They're in the ocean. Uh, are they tame? Did you like, is it in a, in a pool right there at, you know, at SeaWorld like that type? No, no, it was out in the middle of the ocean and, and uh, one of those fishermen who for a living does the, the fishing and they took us out in this boat and dumped a bucket of chum, which is just fish guts and stuff, uh, and waited till all the sharks got there and started eating up all that stuff and said, all right, jump in. <laughs> and the idiots like me jumped in and survived it. Um, when I was younger, as a younger minister, we did a special outreach where we had uh, a lion and a lion tamer that came to our church in a cage. And they said, uh, anybody want to get in the lion's cage? And I said, absolutely, I want to get in that lion's cage. And I got in there and the, the lion tamer looked at me and said, he's the, because the, they gave a stake to the lion. He said, listen, if that steak is finished before you're out, you're in trouble. <laughs> okay, this is, the, this is the weird kind of guy that is your pastor, okay? I, I just, I, I'm, a, I, I'm a risk taker by nature, but the biggest and scariest, most life-changing risk I've ever taken in my life was to get married. <laughs> Think about how crazy it is to look at another flawed human being and go, do you want to spend the rest of your life listening to me snore? Do you want to do that? Do you want... I mean, think about it. It's a huge risk. Why? Because it creates vulnerability. And I, was, I didn't know what a risk it was to be vulnerable and honest with another human being like that. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 15 gives us 
really the foundation of the true building of a healthy marriage and a strong relationship. And it says this, Ephesians 4.15, let us live lovingly or live our lives lovingly and let our lives lovingly express the truth in all things. Everybody say the truth. <laughs> Speaking truly, dealing truly, living truly. And I could sum up that passage literally in one word, and it's the word honesty. Very few people in relationships live honestly, with total honesty. Why? Because it's risky. Right? Every person's deepest human need is to be loved and accepted. And yet the risk of every human being and our great, is our greatest fear, which is the fear of rejection. So we desire to be loved and accepted, but our deepest fear is to be rejected. That fear of rejection, because if I reveal who I really am and you don't like who I am, then I'm kind of stuck because I'm all I've got. <laughs> I'm all I can offer to you, flaws and all. The fear that begins to enter relationships actually is what ruins relationships. And I want to talk to you a little bit about the fears that ruin those relationships. And uh, I'm going to go all the way back to the beginning of time where all of this was created, where uh, couples was, were created and marriage was created. You go all the way back to Adam and Eve, the first two creatures on the planet, or the first two human beings, I should say, on the planet, Genesis chapter 3 talks about it. And God made Adam, as many of you know this story, God made Adam out, out of dirt. And Adam had everything that he wanted in this paradise called the Garden of Eden, except he was lonely. He needed a helpmate suitable. He needed a partner in life. And I think God waited intentionally to create Eve for two reasons. One, I believe that the first reason is he wanted Adam to recognize that he was missing something that was healthy, that was good. He saw these animals that were paired and uh, he just, he realized that I, I don't have a pair of myself. I don't have someone suitable that I can share life with. And the second reason that I think God waited to create Eve was he looked at Adam and he thought, you know, God said, I think I could do better. <laughs> and then he created woman. You know what I mean? And all the ladies said, whoop, whoop. Uh, <laughs> Adam was made out of dirt, but Eve was made from Adam's rib. You know the story, right? His rib, why? Because it was close to Adam's heart, okay? Symbolically, it was close to Adam's heart. And I think the other reason, too, is that uh, she wasn't taken, taken from Adam's foot that he might lord over her, nor was he, she taken from Adam's head that she might rule or lord over him, rather from his side that they could be equal partners in life. It's a beautiful picture. Adam wakes up. And I want you to get the scene, but not too deeply here. But can you just imagine this dude wakes up and forgive me. Uh, I'm going to speak pretty plainly, plainly. We're talking about marriage here and marriage is really important. And the enemy is after your marriages. He wants to destroy your marriages. He wants to shut you down. He wants to stop that marriage from being successful. And so I'm going to speak pretty plainly today. Uh, so please forgive me if there are younger ones in the room. Uh, but I, I got to speak fairly plainly. But I'll try to be as careful as humanly possible when I say that Adam wakes up 
and sees that a surgical procedure has happened on his side. He feels a little tinge of pain, but the pain immediately goes away when he sees for the very first time in his life, naked woman right in front of him. And he goes, whoa, whoa, oh man, oh man, whoa, man, whoa, man, whoa, man, and woman was named. There it is. That's how it happened. That's how it happened. <laughs> but think about it. They're in this beautiful garden. There's no sin yet, so there's no sickness, no sadness, no sorrow, no suffering, no pain, no flaws, no contention. This is awesome. Adam and Eve are in this perfect place with the perfect ingredients for the perfect romance. And I can just tell you the five main ingredients for divorce or the top five reasons people get divorced is simply this. It's communication, intimacy, finances, and problems with children or problems with in-laws. And Adam and Eve didn't have any of that, right? They were in a perfect romantic relationship. Uh, they didn't have to really work. They had no bills, so they had no stress and no worries. They had no physical defects and no clothes. <laughs> They had it all, no shame. They had no kids and, and most, most importantly, no in-laws. So, I mean, look at no trouble here. Okay, get this, paradise. God gives them the smallest of requirements. He doesn't say don't eat from any of the trees. He just says just one, just don't eat from this one. But as you remember, uh, Satan comes as a serpent to distract and disrupt and bring chaos. And he doesn't say, if you eat this fruit, you'll be like me, Satan. He says, you eat this fruit, you'll be like God, which is the foundation for every sin we've ever committed because we think we know better than God. Uh, God's antiquated. He's got all these old school rules. I don't need to follow God. I know best. So I'm going to be the God of my life and I'm going to do what I want. And before too long, that I in the middle of sin <laughs> is what traps us and it trapped them. So let's look at it together. Genesis chapter three, verses six through 10 says it like this. Eve took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband, Adam, who was with her. Everybody say with her. Hey, Adam was with her. Stop blaming Eve for everything now, okay? Adam was right there with, and he ate some too. All right. At that moment, their eyes were opened and they suddenly felt shame. Everybody say felt shame. This is the first time that shame enters into the world. Shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. Everybody say cover themselves. All right, so they covered themselves up as soon as they felt that shame because sin entered in. Then they heard the Lord God walking in the garden, and so they hid. Everybody say, they hid. They hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to Adam, where are you? Adam replied, I heard you walking in the garden. So I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Think about this. Sin enters, and immediately shame enters. And immediately when shame enters, now they're, they're, they're playing cover up and they're hiding. This is a fascinating story 
filled with enormous spiritual truth. And I want to help reveal some of these fundamental fears that break down relationships. Because when sin entered, now fear enters. And fear ruins relationships. Marriages have been struggling ever since that very first day. But I believe today is going to be a day of transformation for you. For you, for your relationships, for your marriage in particular. Some of the major problems and fears that damage and destroy relationships, I want to identify a few of them. The first one I want to just talk about quickly is that my fear of being vulnerable creates distance between us. Vulnerability, the biggest risk of all. Why can't I get close to people? Why can't I feel close to my spouse? Why can't we have that true intimacy we have a relationship of roommates, but we just don't have intimacy. Why? Because intimacy, break that word down, into me see. I, I, I don't want them to see the real me. The closer you get to people, the more you see their flaws and their faults and their failures. The closer you get to people, you see their shortcomings and their weaknesses and their mistakes. The closer you get to somebody, you see the warts and the blemishes and all the problems. And the truth is that there's a lot inside of you that you don't like about you. And so we go about hiding the fear of rejection. The fact is you don't want to expose that part of yourself to others. It's not comfortable to do that, so you begin to hide it. Let's go back to Genesis 3, 9 and 10. It says it like this. God called to Adam. Why are you hiding? By the way, let me stop and say this. God asked a couple of questions. Where are you and, and why are you hiding? God knew, okay? Just so you know, God knew. It's no different than our dog. Uh, we have a golden retriever that's like a therapy dog. I mean, she is so sweet. But every once in a blue moon, she does a little something wrong. And I swear she has this guilt complex because if, if ever she's hiding, it's only for two reasons. It's either raining outside and she's afraid of that or she's done something wrong and she's hiding like Adam and Eve. And I, when I find her, I bring her back to the chewed up toy or whatever it was that she did. And, you know, she's got fluff on her nose proving she was the one that did it. And I look at our dog and she's doing like this, got her eyes, her big, you know, baleful eyes looking at us. And I ask her the question, who did this? Who did this? <laughs> and she, you know, and it's so cute. But do you know, the master knows who did it. Michelle did not chew up Nala's toy. I'm just saying. God knew where Adam and Eve were hiding and he knew why. But he asked them because fear and hiding go hand in hand. And he wanted Adam to learn how to take responsibility. As long as you're in denial, there can be no transformation. Fear always causes you to hide. Let me ask you this morning, what are you hiding from because of fear? Whether it's in your marriage or relationship or maybe for another reason altogether, what problem in your marriage are you unwilling to face because of fear? Friends, God doesn't want you to fear. He wants you to face it. He doesn't want you to fake it. He wants you to face it today. And that word that talks about the, the word picture of nakedness really symbolically means uncovered and unprotected or exposed and vulnerable, right? That's really the picture there. We're afraid to be open and honest with the people that we say that we love the most. 
letting people see who we really are. If our deepest need is to be loved, then our deepest fear is the fear of rejection. So the problem is most of us just don't know how to express vulnerability in the right ways. Men in particular, by the way. We fear exposing our true feelings. And so in keeping from that, we become emotionally distant. Typically how we respond. Most men learn how to withdraw early on. They learn how to withdraw when we're forced to express our emotions. And so here's what happens. Men often use emotional de detachment as a defense mechanism to feel in control. We feel out of control when we share our feelings. And so rather than sharing our feelings and feeling vulnerable and unprotected, we protect ourselves as a defense mechanism to feel somewhat in control. And most women are taught to express their emotions. Most men are taught to control their emotions and compartmentalize their emotions. And then women, when they get emotional or angry because they're not getting a response from the man in their life, they often, the man often then further detaches and further backs off. It's a fight or flight reflex. And most of us guys that were trained in good homes learn don't fight with women and don't hit women and all that. But if a dude confronts you, right, then you can defend yourself. But with a lady, you're supposed to back off. And so rather than fight, they flight. And they may not flight physically. They might run away, run out of the house or something like that. Sometimes men do that, squealing the tires and the whole nine yards. Uh, sometimes we do that. But other times we just hide emotionally. We hide emotionally. And the problem is the more detached men become, the more intense women become. <laughs> right? I, I need you to see my pain and I'm waiting on your reaction because your reaction has to match my pain. If you look or sound or if you feel aloof to me and my pain, then you're unloving. And the number one complaint of most spouses, both men and women, is they're just not understanding. <laughs> they just don't get it. They don't get me. And it's often true. Men don't get women, women don't get men, and it's, it's this challenge that was faced early on in the garden relating directly back to our fears. So how do we deal with these issues when it's, these differences are there? Well, let me talk about a couple of common issues as it relates to fear in relationships. First of all, how you deal with hurt feelings is really important. You're going to get hurt in life and nobody wants to get hurt in life and everybody wants to pretend that you can't hurt me. I'm going to be strong. But let me tell you something. Everybody in this room has been hurt at one point in their life or another in a relationship, whether it was a child relationship to a mother or a father. You may be a 60-year-old person, uh, you, you know, 60-year-old man, but you're still a little boy that's been hurt by his parents or by his father or by kids on the playground or whatever. There's a little boy in every grown man. There's a little girl in every grown woman and there's fears and there's hurts and there's pains that come along with life and how we deal with those hurts make a huge impact on our relationships have you ever played this game is anything wrong dear you know when you see you just know you can feel it in the room there's an icy feeling in the room and it's it's hot outside but it's cold inside the bedroom it's just like there's something i don't know what in the world is going on and you can feel the cold stare and is there anything wrong dear nothing nothing's wrong i'm fine you know that's usually the dude the ladies more like you should know why i am hurt right now and if i have to tell you why there's something wrong with you 
Let me tell you something. Listen, I know we all as spirit-filled believers have the gift of discernment, (laughs) but we are not mind readers. We need communication, proper communication. And the way you describe your pain helps determine the response you receive. If you don't want a reaction, but rather a response, then how you portray your need for love and healing will determine how quickly you receive it. But if you go off on somebody, it's an end game, right? It's an end game. The problem is when we don't express our hurt the proper way, unexpressed hurt becomes resentment. Over time, it's like uh, sprinkling seeds of bitterness in your heart and watering them every time someone does something wrong to you. Before too long, you've got such a bitter and broken heart, you've built walls around your heart that nobody else can get in. And so each of us as human beings have experienced something like this. Even if you're not married in the room, you know what I'm talking about. Those hidden hostilities pile up and then resentment ends up killing your marriage. The second things uh, that we have, the second thing we need to work on dealing with is angry feelings. All of us in this room have had angry feelings. Some spouses are afraid to get angry because they don't want to rock the boat. You know, they use either the silent treatment or they become, act like a martyr or act like a victim. And other people, you know, they explode like, like a volcano all over everybody. But everybody deals with anger a little differently. Guys, I need you to know this just out of the gate. It's normal to get angry. It's human to get angry. Even God acknowledges it. He says, be angry, but don't sin. Be angry, but don't sin. That means there's a right way to get angry and a wrong way to get angry. There's an appropriate way and an inappropriate way. There's a a, a constructive way and a destructive way to be angry. But sometimes we do need to get angry because that anger is proof that we care. I promise you. Ask any counselor that's walked through marriage counseling with, with people, and those that are silent, are those, that, that, that silence is deadly. It's a setup for brokenness and possible divorce in that relationship. When they're talking, as long as they're not volatile, it, as long as it can be constructive, it's helpful. Sometimes you need to say, hey, I don't like the direction our relationship's going, and I care enough to say something about it. And I just want to give you a little grace because I want, to, I want you to give me the grace that I'm giving back to you. Look, we all sometimes wake up on the wrong side of the bed, right? Sometimes your mate wakes up and they're a real jerk that day, right? I mean, I'm just trying to be honest. They're irritating. They're frustrating, sometimes outright exasperating to you. Oh, there is not one amen. You just adjust your halo like you don't know what I'm talking about. Your mate is so perfect and so are you. But every once in a while, we just kind of wake up and we just feel blah. <laughs> we don't, we, we, look, I want you to know this. The healthiest families are not those who never fight. And the healthiest families are not those who fight all the time. And the healthiest families really are those who learn how to fight fair and then resu- learn how to resolve things and make up. That's the proper way to fight fair, to resolve things, and to learn how to make up. 
It's okay to get angry sometimes. Don't panic. It doesn't mean you married the wrong person necessarily. It just means you have to learn how to properly communicate your frustrations. Doesn't always mean your marriage is over, but it does mean your marriage needs help. Learn how to deal with it directly, effectively, and listen, and humbly. Everybody say humbly. Oh, it takes all the edge off if you can learn how to do that. And I'm going to take 30 seconds. And I, again, I know I'm in a, a, a crowd of age variants. And I realize not everybody's married in the room. So I'll make this part short and sweet because this isn't necessarily a marriage conference where you're all in here and I could just talk as plainly as I need to. But I do need to mention very briefly the importance of how to deal with and communicate those sexual feelings that we have. Fear enters into the relationship with Adam and Eve, and it is crazy. The first reaction is they cover their bodies. Immediately, the first thing, when sin enters, shame enters, they cover their bodies from God and from each other. The first thing, when fear enters in, they cover up sexually. Fear makes us self-conscious. And if the studies are correct, and I'm assuming that they are those that I've looked up, is that 50% are either frustrated or unfulfilled in their own sexual relationship as it relates to their spouse. And the reason often is because they just don't know how to talk to each other honestly, to express their needs or their preferences or their desires. And over time, it builds up resentment. And then that spirit of rejection gets inside of us. And before too long, your rejection becomes my bitterness and resentment. How many people are afraid to talk about their needs or share their desires and those vital needs in your life? God created you, male and female, in that, in that regard for that reason. And he didn't create for you to just be roommates. I got great advice from one of the top uh, counselors in this field. Uh, he counseled for, I think it was 40 years, but he, he has an amazing track record of taking some of the most challenged marriages and helping bring wholeness and fulfillment back into their marriage and giving them the tools necessary. And he said, it's really simple. He said, as a, I, I told him I was getting ready to give some uh, pre-marriage counseling after the phone contact that I had with him, we were just chatting it up and I said, hey man, I'd love to have you come here at one point and maybe speak to our whole church. And so we were talking about dates and timelines and all that. And I said, hey man, I got to get off the line. I'm about ready to talk to a young couple who's about ready to get married. He said, can I give you like a quick piece of advice that's just going to be gold? It would cost people a lot of money to meet with me over a period of time to get this information, but I'm going to give it to you free of charge. And because he gave it to me free of charge, I'm giving it to you free of charge. So get ready and write it down. This is good stuff right here. And you can probably remember it off the top of your head, but you could write it down. It's simply this. As often as you can, pray together. Pray together. Talk to God. And when you, when, when you pray together, it doesn't have to be so super spiritual and all that. It bless your spouse before the Lord. As another child of the king, you just look at your wife and you pray over her. Lord Jesus, I pray blessing over her. I, I pray the blessing of God over her life. I, I, I pray the fulfillment of dreams and vision and purpose in her life, right? Pray together as often as you can. The second is play together as often as you can. Have fun. Enjoy each other's company. Go on date nights. Do recreational things 
other than playing tennis, because Michelle and I played tennis together early in our marriage. And, you know, actually before we got married, we started playing tennis together when we were dating and then when we were engaged. And I think we broke off the engagement after every tennis match. Isn't that right? Something like that. Some of you competitors out there. Pray together as often as you can. Play together as often as you can. Lay together as often as you can. Even if you're not participating in the act of just the fact that you're together, vulnerable, in a bed. It's, it's, he said it's mission critical. And he said if you do those three things, you'll stay together. So pray together, play together, and lay together, and then you'll stay together. It's like the wife that uh, went with his hus- her husband to the doctor, and the doctor told the man, you've got two weeks to live. I'm so sorry, you've only got two weeks to live. He said, but I'd like to talk to your wife privately if I could, please. And so the man left the room, and the doctor spoke to the wife, and she, he said this, he, your husband, will live longer if you do these two really important things. It's very significant. It's going to cost you something, but you really need to do this. He'll live longer if you do these two things. You feed him a good meal every day, and then you make love to him every day. And the wife got back in the car, and the man asked, well, what did the doctor say? And the wife looked at him and said, the doctor said, you're going to die. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you go. Oh. <laughs> How many know you have to lovingly share your hurt feelings, your angry feelings, your sexual feelings? Listen, God wants to play a significant part in your marriage. And if the worship team would come as we prepare to close. God wants to play a significant part in your marriage. Some of you are trying to get through your marriage. You're a believer. You're a Christian. Maybe you love God. All of that. That's great. But you're trying to get through your marital problems without God's help. And I just don't give you a spitball's chance of surviving in a culture that is so easy in terms of its access to getting a divorce and closing the door. The only way I know, and statistically this is proof, whether in or outside of the church, that divorce is rampant. So what do we do? I heard it from a comedian said like this, if, if you knew jumping out of an airplane that you only had a 50% chance of when you pulled that chute that the chute would open, who would jump out of an airplane? And it is many ways that way in marriage because of the feeling of the lack of control. Adam and Eve in the garden immediately began fighting over control. Who's going to give more? I'm certainly not going to get more. Who ate the apple first? It was her. Was it him? Who ate that fruit first? And you can find it in the scriptures. It's very clear. He says, Adam looks and says, well, it's the woman you gave me, God, that, that messed this whole thing up. She's like, well, you, ble-. you know, it was the snake. And that, from that point forward, women called men snakes. You know, from that point on, it was just... But that, you need to think about this. You don't have a chance without God. But listen, with man, many things are impossible. But friends, with God, everybody say with God. With God, all things are possible. He can take and bring you into a marital happiness and the kind of true fulfillment that is outer, that's out of this world. It's outside of the realm of this world. 
but you've got to learn how to be lovingly vulnerable, honest, and responsive rather than reactionary. Really, that's help for anyone in the room. It doesn't have just to do with marriage. It has to do with pretty much any relationship in your life, but especially in marriage. It's so vulnerable, and I want you to know the devil's out to steal your home. If he can break off every positive blessing and generational blessing that God has in store for you, if he can break you down, if he can make you feel like you have to build walls around your heart that no one can get in, after a period of time, guess what happens? We build walls that, that even God can't seem to get into. God wants to break down the walls of your heart to get close to him and him get close to you and that your spouse can get close to you as well. But it's gonna take some vulnerability. It's gonna take some honesty. And maybe this week, Valentine's is a good day. Maybe not, you know, I wouldn't suggest that being that it's Super Bowl Sunday, the, the husband or the wife says to the husband, hey, you know what? I really think we need to work on our marriage. And right during the Super Bowl seems like a perfect time. <laughs> but why don't you pick an appropriate time? And maybe this Valentine's Day could be a, a, a day of healing where you realize, hey, we're actually on the same team and we'd like to win a few championships. And it's time for us to work together instead of working separately. It's time for us to lovingly pray and ask God to help us and then humbly listen as you're honest and open and vulnerable. Can we pray together about that, Lord Jesus, in this room? I know there are many that have been wounded, broken, and struggling in their relationships. And God, as I stand here today, I realize that in this very short and limited amount of time, I'm not able to fully give the, the whole, every tool that's available biblically to them, but even just scratching the surface might give them a hint of some ways that they might be able to learn how to communicate with their spouse. God, I pray you'd save marriages in this house. I pray you'd save families in this house. And Lord, I ask that there would be uh, such an embrace from the body of Christ that we are all flawed, but we're all at level ground at the foot of the cross. And I just pray over marriages. As a matter of fact, if you're in the room while heads are bowed and eyes are closed and you're seated next to your spouse, if you are and it's convenient, I'd love for you to just grab their hand as we pray. Uh, you don't have to, but this is just an opportunity for you. And I want to pray over your marriage. Lord Jesus, in this house, I pray over every marriage. I pray over their communication. I pray over their finances. I pray over their intimacy. I pray over their children and their in-laws. And whatever else could potentially be a deterrent or a distraction. Lord, all of us have experienced feelings of hurt or anger. But how we deal with them makes all the difference. And I pray we would learn today biblically to not let the fear get in the way of the depth of relationship you desire. 
And I pray blessing over homes and over marriages and over families in the name of Jesus Christ. And those that were so heated and volatile, I pray that you would bring the peace that passes human understanding that guards their hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Let them feel the peace of God. And for those in the room that maybe they don't, they're not talking anymore, now they're just silent. I pray you to open, break down the walls and open up the doors of communication. I pray we would learn how to love again. And I pray those very things that we loved about them when we first met or we first dated would be the very things that we put our focus and attention on. Not the flaws and the failings, because we all have that, but truly on the love and the commitment and the blessing. Lord, not the burden of marriage, but the blessing of marriage. And I speak life over this house in Jesus' precious and holy name. We pray it all. It's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray it. Amen and amen. Can you stand up and worship God with us in this house and give your marriage back to God one more time? Go ahead and do that right now. of Jesus. Listen, you wouldn't be afraid if a family member was in the hospital to go and pray for them or pray with them or even in your own uh, time in your house to pray for that need. Why not pray over your marriage? And don't pray it this way. God, change my spouse. God, fix them. <laughs> no, you pray, Lord, fix me. <laughs> Those broken areas, fix me. Help me to humbly heal so that I can be all that God you've called me to be and become the spouse you desire for me to be. And listen, I believe you're going to receive exponential blessing as you pray those prayers over your family. 
Well, I'm going to dismiss some of our leadership team and some of our greeters to head out to uh, the hallway to greet you on your way out today. And don't forget that on your way out, we've got, for those that are first-time guests in the house or if you never come back to our guest reception, we've got a reception prepared just for you. We won't take up a bunch of your time, I promise. We just want to hang out with you for a minute. Take the connection card, and if you don't mind filling that out, we'll exchange that for a gift for hanging out with us today. But we just want you to know we support you. And listen, I think I made it to like page three or four of the 10 pages that I had in my notes. So Lord willing, next week, I'll give you some more tools to help you. But you got to work on what I gave you, right? Use what I've got, what you know, what you've got, and then God will give you more. I want to release you with this blessing. And don't forget about our front porch on Valentine's Day. Come back on Wednesday. We'll see you then. God bless you. Lord, I pray blessing over every house. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance on you and bring you peace. And may the Lord our God write his name on your heart and declare you're my child. No one can take you from my hand. May you know the love of your Savior that came and died for you and rescued you. And may you give that love away to as many as humanly possible. I bless you to be a blessing to your spouse, to your family, to your friends, to your coworkers, to your children and grandchildren. I bless you to be a blessing and that you might give God's love as you've received, freely give. In the name of Jesus, we pray it all. Amen. Amen. Did you get anything out of today? Hey, I pray you did. God bless you. We love you. And we'll see you either this Wednesday or next Sunday. God bless you. You're dismissed.